Are you a realtor trying to navigate an ever-changing market? Or maybe a regular Joe Schmo wanting to be in the know? We've got you covered. Welcome to Conversations with Kim, where we solve everyday real estate problems one conversation at a time. I'm Kim Miner, principal broker and owner of Remax Real Estate Results in Bentonville, Arkansas. And I'm Lauren McCoy, realtor and resident question queen. Welcome to this week's edition of Conversations with Kim. I am Kim. And I'm Lauren. Here with Lauren. All right, today we are going to kind of dive in and have a little bit of a discussion on is this recent bank failure, multiple bank failures, I guess let's go with that, um, compared to what happened in 2007, and uh, The first easy answer is no. It is not. Um, however, I think some of what led to both of these are probably similar. Uh, may not be exactly the same thing, but I think the premise behind what happened, in my opinion, um, this is just my opinion, is, you know, very similar. And I think it's lack of, you know, oversight and whether that's the government oversight, which I think it is to a certain degree. Um, you know, are there are there rules set in place? Are there guidelines set in place? Are there and I, and I realize this, you know, we could go down the political road all day long on yes and no on this, but it's still I still believe it's our government's responsibility to make sure there are, you know, there are checks and balances and things in place that keep people's money safe. Um, you know, otherwise, you know, do we go back to that anarchy system of everybody yanks their money out of the banks and throws it in the under the bed mattress and where, you know, wherever you want to hide that money, which, you know, you know, wherever it happens to be, you know, that could be super dangerous to our economy. And, you know, I think. You know, 2007 and eight was was very, very different. It was, you know, banks in the previous years prior to leading up to seven, eight, nine, they were doing loans and giving loans to people that shouldn't they shouldn't have been um, for the sake of collecting a lot of money, a lot of money. And funny enough. I got one of those loans. Mm-hmm. I did. You know, I got a no doc loan. Um, mm-hmm. I shouldn't. I mean, granted, I was a self-employed person. You know, it was usually very difficult, you know, and obviously with commission based people, you know, their income is generally different at different times of the year, you know, and you're, and you're supposed to go off, you know, what's your tax return, your, your last several years worth of tax returns, what's your average income, you know, it's, you know, now you have to have at least two years worth of tax returns if you're self-employed to be able to get a, you know, um, get a commercial bank loan. You have to have two years, you know, worth of taxes, unless you have a personal or private banker, or you have money, which you know makes it a whole lot easier. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think having money makes a lot of things easier in this world. But to get a loan, you know, if you have money or you have um, equity in things or you own things, you know, it makes it a lot easier to get a loan. Versus if you just want to go, if you're self-employed and you want to go buy a house, you have to have two years worth of tax returns to prove that one, you're making money in your self-employment. Um, and two, it's consistent within the last two years. Well, it's really hard in the, in the real estate industry because our business and just like, just like interest rates and just like the things that happens out there our you know, our business can go up and down and up and down within years. Um, so not having a lot of uh, history in what you do makes it hard for a lot of real estate agents to get a loan. So funny enough, I was young in this business, um, again, self-employed, I did not have two years worth of taxes because at that point I was an employee of a brokerage um, to start with. And then I also, I, I received 
uh, commissions along with being an employee. Well, what that problem is, I can't use those commissions as qualifying for that bank mm-hmm. loan. It was only based on my W-2. Well, that wasn't very much because some of my pay came through commissions um, or getting bonuses off of the agent I worked for commissions. So, you know, it was, it was very inconsistent, but didn't matter in this case of seven, eight, nine in 2007, I proceeded. Actually, I think I started in 2006. I closed January 31st of 2007. It crashed five months later. Um, so I was, I went out, I did go get one of these no doc loans. I basically signed and says, I can pay this. Mm. Couldn't prove I could pay it. But I signed a piece of paper that says I could pay it, and they handed me a loan. And you Woo-hoo! didn't have to have any kind of backer. No, yeah. no. And it was one of the big banks, real big banks. It's still <laughs> a real big bank to this day. Um, and so, you know, it, I was one of those people who got one of those no-doc loans. It couldn't mm-hmm. prove that I could actually pay my payment. Um, what ended up happening with your pro- And heaven forbid yeah. that the real estate market crash yeah. and I not be able to make the money that I was currently making and not be able to make my payment or number two, what happens if all the interest rates skyrocketed and I couldn't, you know, and people stopped buying houses, which, aka, what's happened in the last couple of months, mm-hmm. um, you know, I wouldn't have been able to make my payment either because people stopped buying houses, which means my income stopped coming in or the agent I was working for's income stopped coming in. So, you know, why this was allowed, I do not know. Yes, did it allow me to buy you know, it was, I think it was my third, third or fourth house. It was the fourth house I bought. Um, but still, you know, I shouldn't have been able to get that loan yeah. for no reason. I mean, there was no reason a bank should not even, I mean, if it would have been a local bank that knew me that, you know, had seen the history of my accounts and knew what I was doing, that's a completely different decision. Right. You qualify on a different level. They knew me. To, exactly. It, right. it you have to, history with them. Right. Yeah. 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 They could look at my banking history and go, no, you consistently keep putting money mm-hmm. in this bank account. You don't, you don't bounce checks. You know, you're, you're a good customer. Great. Woohoo. That was not you're it. Amazing. Kim. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that at that time. I, we were making it. I had teenage kids <laughs> Woo! and a husband in public service. So there yeah. you go. Um, <laughs> but you know, it, you know, I shouldn't have been able to get that loan. There was no way to prove that I could pay for this house. So that's, they were doing that. That's the type of loans that they were doing. And were they, were they a little bit higher interest? Yes, they were because they were taking the risk. You know, they claimed that you, it was a higher interest rate because they were taking the risk mm-hmm. on not knowing whether or not I could pay the payment. They were making all their money up front because those loans were also set up, which is typically how real estate loans, you pay a lot of interest in the beginning. And as you get midway through, it starts flip-flopping where you're starting paying to more principal. This mm-hmm. is why we tell you to make extra principal payments at least one or two a year, and you will knock off several years off of your mortgage. AKA tip. Woohoo. There you go. Yeah, that's awesome. Yep. Tip there. Make sure, make extra payments. But you have to, you actually do not forget this. If you're going to make these extra payments, they have to be, they have to be principal payments only. And when you make that payment to the bank, so if you call the bank and say, or when you send your, if you're sending a check in, which nobody does that these days, funny enough, that let's go on the fact that nobody has checks. I, every time I ask my kid, I'm like, just write a check. And they're like, I don't have checks. I'm like, okay, I forget about this. Anyway, if you're making your payment, if you log on, you log on to your bank to make your payment. There's a button that says you can make a principal only payment. Make sure you do that. Don't just pay an extra payment because they'll put it to next month's payment or they'll mm-hmm. put it all to interest first mm-hmm. before they'll put any to principal. So make sure mm-hmm. if you're going to make those extra payments, you have to note it as a principal only payment. Uh, okay. Please make sure of that. So, you know, all these banks were making these, these no doc loans. They're making these high risk, high risk loans. They weren't all no doc. There was a bunch of different other programs out there that, that led to this, but the majority of them were very high risk loans to people that they could not prove that they could make the payment. And especially if anything happened in the market, they weren't going to be able to make their payment. So that's, that's what led up to, and, you know, and also, you know, there was no, there was no, um, 
regulations on people flipping houses. Cause like right now, if you, if you buy a house and you want to, you know, fix it up and flip it and turn it around, and that's the big thing you seen all over the TV and all over, everybody, you know, it's a great time to invest in property. I'm like, well, it depends on where you are. Um, but you know, everybody wants to fix and flip cause it sounds super easy and it, HGTV makes it look so pretty and so easy. Uh, it's not. Um, uh, but so, you know, the fix and flip. So right now, if you buy a house and you fix it up and you flip it, if you are less than 90 days in, the person buying your house cannot get a government back loan such as FHA or RD hmm. because they're what they're trying to do is to keep you from making money and maybe harming because did the market change so much or did you do enough? Because I will tell you, there's a lot of people who think fix and flip, the definition of fix and flip is a whole lot different. If I buy a house and do a little landscaping, slap a little paint on it, you know, lipstick on a pig is basically what I'm saying, <laughs> you know, put just a little bitty bit of money into it. And then you want to make another 50, 60, 70, hundred thousand dollars on it. That the house is not worth more than what you paid for it. 30, 60, even 90 days ago, it didn't appreciate that much. I mean, if you got, if you got as basically if the house was in like some kind of shape that you're able to get it at a low you know, super low cost because of the conditions in it. Well, obviously that would mean that you would be putting more money into fixing whatever issue made the price of the house low to be able If you did it right. It, yeah, exactly. And that's, that, that was what the problem was right. during that time. Everybody was buying, you know, they were trying to buy super low and trying to just put as minimal amount of money into it and then maximize Sell the money they were yeah. And the concept is not, I don't want to say it's greedy and it's not unrealistic, but it's not fair to that second that buyer, and, and when it's a government back loan, such as an FHA or an RD, mm -hmm. and those people, those poor people who bought in six seven, and then it crashed, and they had something that they couldn't afford, um, you know, because we came into a recession and people lost their jobs and all the things that happened after you know that huge banking crisis that we had. Mm -hmm. That was a banking crisis. Everybody wants to call it a real estate recession. Oh yeah, no. It wasn't a real estate recession. Right, I mean, it, it's what caused. I mean, it's what happened out of it. But it was a banking crisis that caused the recession that shut down the real estate industry. Which I think everybody figured out at that point how much real estate plays in our economy. Mm -hmm. A Huge. lot, yeah, a whole lot. And I think that goes back to you know the whole belief is that you know the American dream is to own your own home, is to own your own you know something that is yours and you can take pride in and you build some wealth in and you can build some equity in and I think you know that's. That goes to show when when something such as a banking crisis can shut down the whole entire real estate industry, which will put the whole entire country in a horrible recession um, where people lost their retirements and, and the things that, you know, the terrible yeah. things that come out of all, also, all you of have that. the American nightmare. That, exactly. It came. It turns into an American nightmare. Um, which that's a lot of, you know, a lot of people lost a lot in that. And, and you know, and, it's, and you see it happening now. And, it, and it's caused some very interesting changes in our business that's happened since then. But, you know, that banking crisis did turn into a real estate, uh, turned into a recession, which turns into real estate uh, basically falling flat on its face. And, and, you know, if you were not in this industry at that time, I think it's unfathomable. I don't think you can. Right. You the concept of what it, what it would be like. You can't. Because yeah. we went from, you know, we were in a normal market part of that. And actually, I think we were in a pretty decent market. I don't think we were a little, we were probably a little up. We were probably a little bit in the seller's market um, right before that. I've been trying to pull back my brain here and think if I can remember that far back. It was a long time ago. Uh, so do you, do you remember the, like after that happened, did, so I guess to get things back going, did they 
did they low have a low interest rate? Um, did they I lower? Was, no, the I think we were. I think we were. Did they lower the interest rate to try to get everybody after, out of it? No, no, no. Like um, after the crash, and mm -hmm. uh, to kind of get the real estate back moving, you know, did because I don't know what that looks like. I didn't know like afterwards. So if the it was problem like, right. lowered the interest rate so that people could, you know, fix. It didn't matter. The interest rates at that point didn't matter. They didn't have any money. They lost all their money. They either lost okay. their jobs and they lost their money and they lost their houses. Basically, so nobody's even able to get you can't get a loan because they didn't have any. They didn't have any money. You couldn't, or or you already, you know, again, you lost income. You couldn't pay your house payment. You know, people were getting foreclosed on. Everybody, you know, agents. That was a big deal. Then is getting educated on how to help people through short sales and how to help people out of not losing their house and having to claim banks bankruptcy or are going through having their house foreclosed upon. And so everybody, you know, a lot of agents turn to that type of education to try to help people. And also try to try to continue to be in the real estate industry. A lot of agents left the business because it just it's like you know it, it complete people just shut down. I mean it, it was it was very very terrible. So many people lost yeah, their money and lost their though. retirement. They lost their jobs. They yeah. lost they lost everything. I mean, and we're seeing the consequences now of you know the baby boom because it was the baby boomers who would affect the most as far as retirement and retirement age and what was happening, what was going, you know, if you were fortunate enough to have multiple houses, obviously, you know, you couldn't sell your second and third home because nobody could buy it. They didn't have the money. They there, you know, and the people who had the money to buy it weren't spending money because they were very afraid of what was happening. You know, the fear was so immense because they'd lost so much money in the stock market or they, you know, whatever it was that the loss that you had, it was, it was great. And so even the people who had money in multiple houses we're still stuck and having problems because they ended up going like, well, you know, and nobody was going on vacation because they didn't have any money or, you know, it was just, it shut down absolutely everything. And so it wouldn't have mattered if their interest rate, you could, you could have lowered the interest rates. I don't care what you lowered it to, you know, the historic lows of the two, you know, two and a half percent that it wouldn't have made a difference. You couldn't, you couldn't qualify no mm -hmm. matter what the interest rate was. Mm -hmm. Um, so the interest rates really didn't make a difference. It was just nobody could do anything. And the people who stayed in the business and were able, and there was, you know, I won't say there weren't houses that weren't selling or there wasn't real estate that wasn't moving, but it was the people who were in the business doing the business were experienced agents who had very good relationships, who stayed in contact with their people. And then the other ones were the ones who were smart enough to get the education to help through short sales, foreclosures, or the other agents who educated themselves a different way and went to work and figured out how to, when the houses were foreclosed upon, or, you know, you learned, we learned what cash for keys were, which means an agent would go and the, the person who previously owned the house after it's already been foreclosed upon to get them out, they'd offer them cash to move out because the bank needed to take it, clean it up and sell it. Wait, who would offer who cash? So real estate agents were kind of the in-betweens for these large banks. They'd hire these, um, they'd hire these uh, management companies to manage their foreclosures. You know, bank says, let's just say, you know, Bank of America says, I closed on 20 houses in Northwest Arkansas, right? Now, these 20 houses, 10 of them are still occupied by the previous owner, even though it's already been foreclosed upon. So the agents would work for this uh, intermediary company or this management company, and the management company would say, go offer them $1,000 to move out by the end of the month. And so you'd go and you'd knock on the door and go, hello. Oh, Your house has been foreclosed upon. It's time for you to vacate. Um, so oh. don't, you know, the next step is to call the sheriff and have them have them evict you. So here's a thousand dollars if you can get out by the end of the month. And it, so oh. you give cash for keys. So like, give me the keys. Here's your cash. That was the quote cash for keys. So is this like you were evicting like people? Ten, tenant right type of. Is this what? No, like, they were foreclosed upon. I get just, out. Your your mortgage said if you I'm get foreclosed upon, you have to leave. I just surprised that they were. I guess were they just doing that out of consideration. I mean, I guess it was 
bank's fault. It's a whole lot cheaper to do it to get people to move out voluntarily than it is to make them move out. Okay. Eviction is a hard process. It's a long process. Yeah, In yeah. our state, it is anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I was wondering because yes. I've heard about the eviction. Well, I mean, well, like, that's, that's landlord land. tenant. That's yeah. that's a whole nother ball game. Okay. We can go down another day. <laughs> that's even worse. <laughs> that, these were, you didn't pay your mortgage. It's right. time to get out of your house. It's yeah. not your house anymore. The bank owns the house now. You need yeah. to get out. Somebody else owns the house. You need to vacate. Yeah. So that you learned to cash for keys, but you worked for these management companies and you would coordinate getting the utility. And a lot of agents, they put all the utilities in their name. They um, got subcontractors and, and people to go in to clean it up, to make it look pretty. And then they would turn around and sell it for as much as they could to try to recoup some of that money for that foreclosure mm -hmm. that they just went into or the money that they lost while people weren't paying their, why people weren't paying their mortgage. So a lot of agents did that and got very, very good at did that. And so they were, they were working foreclosures. I mean, I know a lot of agents who made a lot of money in seven, eight, nine by working the foreclosure market. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and it was, it wasn't easy. You know, it was a very, that's like I said, one of those, you were running a different type of business. It wasn't just a real estate business. Cause like I said, you were keeping track and you were almost running a property. I don't say property management cause you're not, it's not other people's money, but you were managing utilities, managing contractors, you know, what process is this house in? Where are you going? What are you doing? Um, but they made a lot of money doing that and, mm -hmm. and being that and selling those foreclosures. And there was a lot of money to be made by investors. People who actually did have cash and did want to, and didn't want to, want to, want to spend it. Got some really good deals. Yeah. Got some really, really, I mean, there's a lot of people that I know in our market. And I think it was in all markets across the country that if you had some cash and needed, needed or wanted to invest, there's a lot to be done out there. And there's a lot of large, um, whether it was, you know, groups of people with money or investments, uh, you know, that were buying large chunks of banks foreclosures. You know, they were just like, I'll buy them all. You know, mm -hmm. you foreclose on them, I'll buy them all right here and there. And then they would take them and redo them and either fix and flip or turn them into rentals. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people did. But your problem with rentals is the same thing. People still couldn't pay the rent. It's still, mm -hmm. You know, it was that was the problem is you couldn't do anything with that middle set of people who lost everything there was nothing to do, you know, so you either were dealing with some first time home buyers who really weren't affected to a degree, you know, if they were able to keep their job and everything was going well, you know, you had some first time home buyers that were a lot thin. And then the investors was a really big part of that business right there um, during seven, eight and nine. But the, you know, that crisis set off, it, it happened very quickly. And, and in, granted, we were very, very lucky in our area. We were one of the last ones into it. And one of the first ones out of it. It was very short lived for us because we are still a growing area and it's, we're still a growing area. Funny enough, it has not changed. Mm -hmm. um, but there were a lot of areas, especially where like some of the big builders were, were in, you know, and out the, I mean, think about it. If you had a, you know, if you were living in places like Vegas and, and, you know, they were just one community after another, there was builders going out there and building 300 houses at a time. They were in the middle of building 300 houses, but they were doing it in like six to 10 communities at a time. Mm. There's nobody to buy those houses. Mm -hmm. What do you do with those? And it's funny. A lot of them said empty. Nothing happened. You know, uh, there, I mean, and there were some, we caught, there's a few here in Northwest Arkansas that kept, there were some neighborhoods that set for two years that the houses were like half framed. There hmm. were some slabs. There's nothing. Really? And just sat there because the developer or the builder lost all their money. Mm -hmm. I, I, give up. And the banks took it back, but there was nobody to buy it. Right. There was nobody to take over. And they're like, if you were a builder, you're like, I'm not buying that. Nobody's going to, if I build that house, nobody's going to buy it. I can't sit on that interest payment and pay it. So even though it may, I may have had the money to do it, it wasn't a smart business decision. So it was like, nope. So banks ended up taking all this back and sit. At, I think banks at that time, probably seven, eight, nine owned more real estate than they ever had before mm -hmm. um, because of all the things they had to take back. But there were some good deals to be had. I mean, some, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of builders who came out of that, who bought what was 
foreclosed upon or repoed back at the bank. They bought it back from the bank because banks like, I just want to get it off my books. I don't, banks don't want to own real estate. They're like, no, 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 no. Sell it as quickly, you know, as quickly as you can. And so they were giving them, you got some bargain basement lots and some bargain basement land to get, because the banks were like, I don't want to hold real estate. Mm -hmm. so, I mean, there, there were some, there's some opportunities that came out of it. There definitely were. And, and I don't see that's what's going to happen out of this, you know, mm -hmm. this current um, banking crisis, if that's what you want to call it. What were we got? Three, was it three banks? Three. Uh, there's only two I'm aware of, but well, one, but then the, another one, caused. you know, I, I think shut its stuff down at, for, you know, right. I, I don't know the details, but basically like precautionary, right. you know, move. Heading down the road, heading down the road of terrible. Yeah. I'm going to be done anyway. But, but yeah, I think it was, so I'm only aware of the two, but, um, and then that one was, you know, mostly like it was mostly investors and, and, right. uh, small business owners mm -hmm. in, in that area and stuff, which and, is, yeah, which that's, and that's the part, you know, and, it, and it's sad. And that's, I tell people a lot and even, even real estate agents, cause you are a small business. You are considered mm -hmm. a small business. You are an entrepreneur. You're a business, you're a business person. You need local banks and it needs to be a bank. And that's and the difference between and banks are very different. And, and, and they're you know you have credit unions, you have banks. You have, there's very different types of banks, and, and you need to understand what your bank, what business your bank is in. Are they in the banking business? Are they in the investment business? Are they in the you know what what is their main business? What do they do? And what are they making their money off of? Are they making their money off giving loans? Are they making their money off of banking services? What are they? You need to understand that. And when I say a local bank, and because I, I know one of them was quote a local bank, right? That's I get mean. that, and mm -hmm. and I get that. But what you know, what was their what was their what was their business? What did they really do? Do you really know who they are? You know, how long have they been in business? And and I'm, this is where longevity, in my opinion, wins because mm -hmm. you have a, you have history, you have experience. Have you gone through a recession? Have you gone through this? Have you gone through that? And I don't know anything about that bank. I don't. Mm -hmm. But these are things that you think about when I say go find a a local bank that you can have a relationship with. And it's your relationship, your business relationship. And it's funny, I'm telling my son-in-law this right now because he's, he's you know, has his own business and he's getting, you know, young, getting started and he's been doing it for several years. And he's doing really well. I'm like, you need to have a local bank that you do all your business with. Right. It's extremely important. And you need to do all your business with that bank. Because here's the thing, that bank needs to make money off of you. Because if you're going to turn around and at one time and go, hey, I need to borrow money to grow my business. If you've been doing business with them for four or five years and they see, oh, your accounts have been building, you have, you know, they can see your history and what you're doing. They see you're growing your business. You're not just going to walk in the door after, you know, I put a thousand dollars in this bank and I'm just going to leave it there. You're not a business. That's not a business customer. Just because you stuck money in that bank. And I don't care if it's a thousand dollars, it's a hundred thousand dollars. If you just stuck money in that bank and left it there. That's not history. They can't see that you're growing your business and what you do. You need to do, you know, borrow money from this bank, pay it back, get a line of credit, pay it back, mm -hmm. you know, do, do business with this bank. I, I don't know. It's so important to do that because again, and same thing too, but you need to interview, interview that bank, find out what, you know, what is their true business? What, how can they help you? And you need to, you know, be a part of a bank that you know what they're doing and you know that they're going to support you in your business moving forward. And so they need to, you know, really do that. And I don't know if these people did this in this case. I have no idea. But I would, I would be very cautious if it's a bank if a bank was made up of a bunch of small businesses and investors. Oh, I just, I don't know if they to knew me, that. I don't I don't know. Again, but again, yeah. but I think people don't. You know, yeah. That's where my friend went. So that's where I'm going. Yeah. That is not 
that is not, you know, I'm not even break it down to be something so simple just because, you know, I'm a woman. Yes, I have fingernails and I love them. I've had them done over there. If somebody said, hey, go over here and get your nails done, right? I would just walk in the door and go, okay, let's do my nails. Be like, no, 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 wait a minute. What are your safety practices? What do you, you know, how did you handle this? And I know they'd be like, yes, you're the crazy lady who walks in and asks those stupid questions. Yes, I am. But here's the thing. I don't want fungus underneath my fingernails because when that happens, I have to take them all off and wait for months for it to go away. And I don't want to experience that. It's gross. It looks disgusting. And no, thank you. So, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, it, it, it's things that are just as simple as that. You've got to ask the questions and make sure that what you're investing your money into or where you're putting your money is safe. And it's also going to work for you and your business. It's what? Maybe don't put all your eggs in one basket. Well, you shouldn't. As far as banking. Well, you don't. And that's the thing too, is what are, you know, you need to know how much money can I keep in an account? When do I need to split it up? When do I need to go to another bank? You know, there's so many rules that are out there. And a lot of times people are just like, well, that's for the bank to tell me. I'm like, the bank's not going to tell you that. This is very obvious. In this case, what we just saw right here on the news, the bank didn't tell you that. And guess where you are? Um, You know, and I do know that, you know, the government stepped up and is going to, you know, cover more than what they're supposed to. But they shouldn't have had to, mm-hmm. you know, and that's another thing too. What are the regulations? Do you know what they are? Do you know, you know, if you're going to have a business that has that kind of money, you better be asking those kind of questions. You better be protecting yourself. It's not somebody else's job to protect your money. I do think there needs to be some safety, you know, I don't say checks and balances and, and things that are put in place to make sure banks are acting in the right way mm-hmm. to protect people. Because I do realize that the majority of the people, if you just do personal banking, most people don't ask these questions and do this. But if you're mm-hmm. a business person, you need to be running your business as a business, not just, oh, whatever, I trust them. They've been there. You know, it's been there since I can remember. No. How long have they been there? Again, you know, have they made it through recessions? What happened? Where do they, you know, just ask more questions. They're more than happy to share that with you. Mm-hmm. And you don't walk in and ask the teller at the front door. That's not, it's, that's not how you're going to get these questions answered. You know, you need to go in, get yourself a, you know, personal banker or, it's usually, or a loan officer. And a lot of times if you're a business person, it's a commercial loan officer. And sit down and have a conversation. They'll tell you, or they'll find somebody to tell you um, if they don't know all the answers. But you know, do your due diligence. It mm-hmm. is it is your responsibility to do that. Um, you know, but I don't think the you know the the seven eight nine crisis that happened that that caused just utter chaos and and failure in our in our industry. It's not going to happen this time. It, it's just not. There's there's an argument whether or not are we in a recession or are we not in a recession or are we going to recession. I mean, it's it's every day you hear it whatever news source you want, whatever economist, whoever you follow, whatever whatever industry you are in, it's a constant conversation. And it's a big one in ours because obviously we're financially related. Um, or, or the financial industry is part of our, you know, part of what we have to use to make it happen. Uh, so I think, you know, it, I don't know. It just, it's not the same. It doesn't feel the same. We're not in the same type of position. It didn't affect as many people. Right. It was very, very centralized, like the one bank in that area. And right. basi- basically, like the aftermath of what came out of 07, 08, you know, 09 is, you know, probably a lot of fear uh, yes. for a lot of people. You know, maybe it's not, it's not as, it's not the same chaos, it's not the same craziness. And, no. you know, you still buy houses. <laughs> you still buy, well, you, you can't. And, it, you know, it, it's not, and even like my economist today that I was, I've read a little blurb I get every morning and, and it's, you know, predicting that we may be, you know, where we're at on interest rates. We may get another little, you know, another little hike, but small and that may be where we're at finally and we may level off. We may finally see them go down a little bit. 
Um, but what, that should that what did should. Did you see it at today? Did you see? What did you see with the rates are at today? No, I have no idea what they are. It's just that the Fed. He's predicting what by what the Fed says. Gotcha. Um, he's going by how the how the Fed does what they do, um, and and their time period of how they raise rates. Uh, his his thought process is that. He thinks we're we're getting ready to level out. They may do one more little increase, and we may be, you know, maybe where we are, which is good because that's the first one I've seen in a long time that kind of halts the process of nope, we're going up, nope, we're going up, nope, we're going up. Nope. I mean, it's, it's been constantly being up, 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 and this is the first one that says like maybe we're where we need to be. So even you know, and, and whether that you know those bank failures is part of this because again, it's what it does is in, it it makes people scared to death. They're like, I'm not going to go through what I went through last time. If I have money in the bank, I'm taking it all out. Or if I have money, you know, if the stock market's going to crash, I'm taking it all out. And all that does is that just fear and panic ends up being, you know, but I think even though it did instill feel fear and panic in people, and I get why I do understand why, especially if you were, if you lost a lot in seven, eight, nine, I 100% you are, I think you are. You know, once. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think you, you know, you have that right to have that fear and panic, but it's it's not as big as what it was in seven eight nine one, two. Where our economy is still too good, and I and I say that with, with a very, good being defined by a lot of different things, but we're not you know especially in our little isolated area we are in a bubble. I say we say this all the time, and I and, you know it's very localized, and I get that there are other parts of the country who aren't doing that well, but ours is, and I don't see that making a difference. It you know it wasn't localized for us. So I understand. Um, but I do believe that if the fear and panic that caused people to take their money out of banks and investments and, and, and those kind of things can it it's it's going to be a blip on the radar. In, in my opinion, it, this one's going to be a blip on the radar. Um, I think we learned a lot from seven, eight and nine. Those of us who went through it or saw maybe your parents go through it, if you know the extent of what they did. And I think that's a lot of. That's a lot of, like I said, what happened in seven, eight, and nine did affect how the real estate industry moved in this next 10 to 15 years because the kids who watched their parents lose everything were very hesitant to buy a house. So like, I'm going to, I'm just going to lose it if something happens again and I have no control over the economy. And, you know, I mean, it's just it, the thought processes that I think it created out of coming out of seven, eight, and nine, I think maybe prepared us a little better for this. I don't think everybody freaked out and panicked and, and, you know, may, they may have been fearful, but maybe they didn't react as quickly um, knowing that if you do the the problems that it can create when that happens. So I think we learned a lot of lessons from seven, eight and nine. You know, I think those lessons that we learned, I, I think it's, I think it's helped us maybe not, not panic as much, but just maybe take a few more moments to make good, better, good, better decisions for yourself and, and making sure that you're, and I think a lot of people also set up what they have and whether it's their investments or whether it's the homes they have or whether whatever it happens to be that you're how you're using your money and what you're doing it with. I think it it really taught us to think more about it than just the act quickly and, you know, make the money and move quickly and, you know, got to gotta hurry, got to hurry, got to hurry. I think we slowed down a little bit um, or in the last two years we did not. But I, that was just everybody taking advantage of the insane money that money was just too dang cheap and everybody wanted to get out there and, and take advantage of it. I think we all knew, I think, I, you know, the interest rates had been going down and down and down and down and down. And everybody's like, how low are they going to go? And when are they going to start going up? And I think these last two years, it'd be, we knew they were going to go back up. We just didn't know when. So if I don't get it now, I'm not going to get it. And everybody went after it. And I think, you know, yeah, that FOMO. It, it was, I think, I think everybody was like, it can't last 
forever. So if I don't hurry up, and I think everybody just hit the market at one time, that's what kind of what the last two years were. And then of course it, it just, it propelled our economy past the point where they're like, okay, whoa, 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 we're going to slow this down. We can't keep going at this pace and interest rates. We can't keep interest rates here. This is not sustainable for a long period of time. If we continue with these interest rates, we are going to end up, you know, it's going to end up super terrible. And, 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 you know, it sucks if you got caught in the middle of, you know, buying a house when interest rates jacked up instantaneously to, mm -hmm. an, 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 you know, what we feel was an insane amount. Right. Yeah. It's not, by the mm -hmm. way, money is still <laughs> insanely cheap. Um, you, you said know, before 07, it was what, 15% or something like in the earlier 2000s? It's or something it was way ugly. higher. It was, oh, I mean, I can remember when it was 18. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, who? okay, that is that not is cheap money, people. Um, that is not cheap money at all. 6% compared to 18 is wonderful. Oh, 6% yeah. in my opinion is normal. I think that's a very, you know, that's a very but average, it's a very average good rate. I think it's good for all people. You know, you, Here's the thing, when when something is so much more, when it's so good for one side and not good for the other, it can't, it's not sustainable. It's mm -hmm. not, and I don't want to say it's not fair because that's, that sounds like a terrible word. And so it's like, ah, I'm whining, but you can't take advantage of something or someone for so I think long. it's okay to, to want fairness. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's, we're not going to it's survive. It's not fair. We need to make it to me. I need to get, I mean. Did you get my point? You, it's just really out, off balance. It's very off balance and you, you can't keep and sustain that level of off balance until at some point something's going to crash. Something's going to quit. Something's not going to work anymore. There's not going to be any more money. You can't, you know, it's got to be, we all have to, and I tell agents this all the time, we all have to win. And I, and I don't hate that win, win. I, I really don't like that comment. I know I've said it before and I know I do say it, but I do believe in it. But I think it has to be fair for all parties. I think everybody has to don't profit. Don't win by taking advantage of Correct. Yeah. That's exactly, that's exactly my point. Mm -hmm. You know, it's got to, it's got to make sense for both sides. And as long as it does, it's going to continue on and it's very sustainable and it will, everybody would be happy, move on forward and be good. And, and it's not, that doesn't mean that there isn't money to be made out there or there isn't, you know, good deals to be had for buyers. And you know, there's, there's plenty of things to happen out there, but it doesn't have to be so off balance that we can't sustain it. It needs to be. And I think that they've leveled it off. And I think they've got, okay, fine. We're at a level place. We're never going to get back to two and a half percent interest rates. We shouldn't. I mean, you just, it's stupid. It, it's not, you know, yes, it, I'm it super thankful of, yeah. because I have one of them. It's great. <laughs> um, but you know, it's not sustainable it, and it's not, yeah, it's not, not. It, it, no. And if I, you know, if I did, I'd be like, my business is going to die, going to die. And you know, the American dream of owning a home is going away if we stay at that because the, the, right, the, economy, the big business, the economy can't sustain it. Right. You just can't. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, you know, it, we're not the same. It, this was a blip in the radar, in my opinion. Um, it, it, we learned, I think the lessons we learned as hard as they were in seven, eight, and nine made this one where it was, it's just a blip on the radar and it's just something on the news. And I, and I'm not trying to by any way degrade any of the, the losses some poor people had mm -hmm. in this situation, because I don't wish that upon anybody. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, and I can't imagine but do your due diligence, do your homework, find out who you're doing business with. Um, I think that's the, the one of the big lessons that, that those of us who aren't affected by it, um, you know, firsthand or even second or third hand, if you're not affected by, you know, my, my, my lesson to this and people I would say and having a conversation is do your, do your homework, uh, know who you're doing business with and, and make sure that it fits your business model, make sure that it fits your risk level. You know, it's the same thing. I mean, when, like when a buyer goes to a lender and asks, you know, Hey, what type of loan programs do you have? And what's, mm -hmm. it's not. You can pick, you know, there's probably three or four, there's probably more than that that will probably fit the needs of the buyer sitting there, but they need to pick the one that they're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. um, it's to the same. build that relationship and, and, and yeah, and talk to that person, ask, ask questions. questions. Yeah. Because 
and it's not really like something you think about doing, uh, you know, mm-hmm. going to talk to a, um, a, a banker and going to, there's something so serious about going to a bank and going to like a private office. <laughs> it is. You're like, like am I in trouble? Up. Did I do something? You know, you see that one of the two, you're like, yeah, you're like I'm a grown up. Yeah. And I'm going, like, I'm oh, in trouble. Gosh. I'm in <laughs> <laughs> but it's a thing, you know, it's like, that's kind of like, and you don't know that you can necessarily do that. You know, it's like, oh, am I going to be bothering them by asking them, you know, because you, you're the one in need, you, you know, so it's like, but it's like, that's exactly what you have to do and need to do. And because otherwise you're not going to understand and know the business or know no. that bank. Exactly. You know, unless you do that and talk to those bankers and talk, you know, see what they can do for your business, be able to tell them, you know, communicate with them, you know, face to face about, hey, this is what I'm doing or trying to do, blah, 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 blah. What do I need to do to get, to, you know to get this money and yeah. So nothing scares me more than I see it all the time. You know, when I see advertisements or, or I see ads, um, when you're watching TV and it's, this whole thing is online and you, you do all your banking on an app and you never speak to a human. And I'm like, Oh, you know, and if, I guess if I was a person who didn't, I, I don't, I don't know that that scares me to death. Mm-hmm. Like I can't even imagine not, that's not a local bank, by the way. Do you know where that bank is? Do you have any idea? Is it even in this country? What if you couldn't find you it have, online anymore? Where, you know, then what, what would you do? Money? Where's your money? Exactly. I'm like, I don't think, and I'm not, and I'm not saying you have, it has to be brick and mortar. That is not, I mean, I would never do business with a bank that isn't brick and mortar, but that's my personal opinion. And, and that's, that's the way I want to run my business. That's the way I also want to take care of my money and how I want to take care of myself. But I, like you said, what happens if that website goes down? Mm-hmm. Where is your money? Do you know where your money is? Do you know how to get your money? Do you know who to contact? Do you have any idea? Do you have a person, a human, can you speak to a human being? I, that is very concerning to me. Or same thing, you know, do this, we'll give you this money to run your business. And it's, you know, some, again, online bank. And I'm like, I, I'm not doing business with somebody I can't have a this conversation. <laughs> yeah. And do you? It could be. I'm telling you, with technology the way it is today, how do you not, if you've never spoken to a human, you have no idea what it is. And I, and I get in some of these larger metropolitan areas. I know banks aren't convenient to be brick and mortar. Or it's very expensive to have brick and mortar in some of these, some of these large, you know, cities. And, but I, I'm, I'm just to do business, you know, maybe that's only my personal money. And I, maybe I would do that. I, I wouldn't, but I would never put my business money into somewhere that I can't have a conversation with a human being. And, and the same thing, like I said, you walk in and have those, you know, have those questions, or maybe they don't have a big brick and mortar. I, they, you know, maybe they have a very small brick and mortar and the people all work remotely. That's great, but great. Then come to my office and have a conversation. Mm-hmm. They'll be more than happy to do it. I and mean, if they want your business and I have to tell people too, that, Oh, that's why I say local bank, the big banks, like the big banks mm-hmm. are not local. Mm-hmm. They're not, or they're affiliates of, of the, Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and local is, to me, local means hyper local, like not even out of my here, state. Right. It's in, mm-hmm. it's in my state. It's in, it doesn't have to be in your city necessarily. Cause I get there's rural areas out there that, you know, that's not where they came from, but I, I, I really do believe local means local and it, and it, it get, gets super local. And yeah. I, you know, it, and they I, care about more, more about the community the development and the, exactly. Yeah. And also have the understanding and the knowledge that comes with that Correct. to help with you in your specific business that is local yes. that is yeah that's exactly what it is and it, you know it, that's why having the relationship with that mm-hmm. bank and then knowing you and knowing what you do and they do have an investment in their community they're 
they're in the community. That's where they came from. And it, a lot of times, you know, that may be where their original owners are from. It means a lot. It's part of their culture. It's part of who they are and what they do. And, and, and I, I think that's just super important for everybody, you know, whether it's you're in real estate or whatever business you're in, I think it's important to give back to your community and, and be supportive of your community. And, and to me, that means lo banking local. And I've, and I always have, um, you know, and, and, and unfortunately some banks get bought out by other banks, but I've left banks before that have been bought out by large conglomerates or large corporate banks. I'm like, Nope, I'm not doing business with these people. Um, you know, and they wanted to move into our area because our area is growing and they want to have a presence here. I'm like, that's great, but you don't care about my community. You could care less about it. You just want to be here because there's money here. You don't want to be here because you want to help this community. You know, and they start off talking about, Hey, we're doing all these things for the community and that's all great, but that's not, their end game. Their end game is, to make, and I'm not against anybody being profitable and making money. I just think if you, if their focus is only here because they are here because of the money, that's not who I want to do business with. Mm -hmm. I, it's just not me. And I don't think it's safe for my personal business money or my money for that matter. So yeah. this is a lot of lessons learned from seven, eight, and nine. If you weren't there, get to know somebody who was and kind of, and, and it, it's, it's kind of interesting to, you know, go back and look at it and talk about it and think about it. But it wasn't fun to live through. It was absolutely horrific. Um, you know, at the time I had three real estate offices and, and 84 agents. Uh, I shut two locations down. I came down to 25 agents. For I, uh -huh. okay. I had to let go of all my employees. Mm. I did everything, including cleaning the office to keep the doors open. I didn't get a paycheck for a year. So, I mean, there's a, there was a lot of, and, you know, learning, learning things that I learned about my business and what I do. And mine was, you know, have plenty of reserves to pay your bills. Um, if the, if the economy and we're, we're going to have a recession and, you know, it's, we've been talking about it for a little while here and that's the big focus of, do I have all my reserves in place? Do I know what I can do? You know, and that's another thing having that banking relationship is to, you know, can I get a line of credit to run my business while we don't have any real estate closings, if we're going to go into recession and things are going to happen. So it's the things as a business owner, you have to think about it. And as for you as an individual agent is, are my clients going to be able to buy, you know, buy and sell or my Am I going to get referrals from people? And you know, the referrals dry up usually in a recession. They're, you know, they they really, really do because people mm -hmm. are more focused on how to how do I survive? What do I do? They're not thinking or about anybody else. You know, they really do kind of become introspective and, and should because they need to figure out how to, how to take care of themselves. But you know, you have you got a plan. It this is not you know we're not foolproof. It's not say it's not going to happen again. I don't think it will ever be as bad as it was in seven, eight, and nine. But doesn't mean we can't doesn't mean we can't have a recession doesn't mean we can't have you know and and will a recession affect our industry as real estate i'm not saying that the government or the, the i'm sorry the economy couldn't have a recession it's that's always possible you know you can't control what the things that happen in the in our in our country or in the world for that matter so but will that recession affect the real estate industry like it did in 789 and i don't think it'll ever i don't think they'll ever let it get to that point and even even though there may not have been enough uh you know regulations and and check you know checks and balances on, that happened these last couple of bank failures um, or shutdowns may there not be enough, but I don't, I think there's enough that it won't let it get as bad as it did in mm -hmm. seven, eight, nine. Yeah. Sure. All right. Well, we've gabbed on a lot about what's happening currently and what happened in the past, which is always good learning lessons for everybody. Uh, so we'll, uh, get with you at our next episode of conversations with Kim. You can find them all on Facebook at conversations with Kim. Conversations with a K. Don't forget. That is. <laughs> Thanks for listening.